Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. And for more than 10 years with SNN, I've been doing interviews with microcap management teams at investor conferences globally, as well as online. Our SNN Live CEO video interviews are meant to pique interest, and then one can discover more by going to that company website. But personally, I always have more questions I want to ask. On this show, I'll be chatting with public company executives from microcap companies, and we'll dive deeper into companies that are rarely profiled. Microcap traditionally is overlooked, unloved, and absolutely never featured on legacy financial media outlets unless something material is going on that's a good story. With my experience interviewing management teams, having interviewed most of them before, I've built up a network of companies, so there will be no shortage of content. Furthermore, this is an opportunity for me to showcase some of the qualitative lessons I've learned from guests on the Planet Microcap podcast. You can expect high quality interviews with management teams that may have exposure to broader macro trends that you may never have thought of. One of the many reasons why I love the microcap space. So if you love microcaps and especially love learning about companies before the professionals do, let's start our due diligence. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party product services or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is John Young, CEO of Boat Rocker Media, publicly traded company. The symbol is BRMI on the TSX. Boat Rocker Media is the home for creative visionaries. An independent, integrated, global entertainment company, Boat Rocker's purpose is to tell stories and build iconic brands across all genres and mediums. With offices around the world, Boat Rocker's creative and commercial capabilities include scripted, unscripted, and kids and family television production, distribution, brand and franchise management, a world-class animation studio, and talent management through Untitled Entertainment. A selection of Boat Rocker's projects include Invasion on Apple TV+, Orphan Black on BBC America, and CTV Sci-Fi Channel, Deer on Apple TV+, Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry on Apple TV+, The Next Step on BBC, Family Channel and CBC, Daniel Spellbound on Netflix, and Dino Ranch, which is on Disney+, Disney Jr., and CBC. Boat Rocker Media went public in March 2021 on the TSX, so they're a relatively newer public company, and I wanted to learn more about their strategy moving forward, as well as what differentiates Boat Rocker Media from other publicly traded independent studios, opportunities within each business segment, and John's vision for the company in three to five years. With that, please enjoy my conversation with John Young, CEO of Boat Rocker Media. Welcome back to the Due Diligence series on Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-E-F-T. And joining me today is John Young. He is the CEO of Boat Rocker Media. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is BRMI on the TSX. John, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to have you on. So the the reason I wanted to have Boat Rocker on is that, you know, it's a very unique space in the independent film industry um, uh, where 
especially because a lot of companies are starting to list in Canada. Um, you know, I've interviewed a number of your colleagues over the years from uh, Thunderbird, Network Media, Wild Brain uh, on another show, Compounders. You know, so I, I, you're one of the newest entrants uh, to the space. So I wanted, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, so to start us off here today, uh, this is a question I ask everybody on here. Can you give us that one line that best describes Boat Rocker Media? I can, but I think it's uh, it's a home for creative visionaries. That's really what our purpose is, and to take their ideas and take their stories and turn them into the best version uh, of a piece of TV, a piece of content that we can. That that's what Bolt Rocker is set up to do. Very good. All right. So now let's uh, let's dig into a little bit of the history of the company. When did everything start? What was the original thesis? You know, give us give us the full picture. Of course, of course. Well, you mentioned uh, being a public company, which we did back in, in 2021. So we're a rookie public company, but uh, we've been doing this for nigh on 20 years. So um, we've been producing and distributing, and most latterly, we've been exploiting the intellectual property that, that we own. Um, and we've been doing, as I say, that for, for a long time now. Um, founded by uh, our two co-chairs, Ivan Schneeberg and David Fortier, um, the co-chairs of our company and indeed the co-chairs of our studio. Um, and basically with myself, we, we manage the overall business. Ivan and David responsible for the creative and myself responsible for the, for the business of the business. So that's how we've split up. And I've been with the company since 2009 myself. So for the last 13 years or so, we've been building this company from a production company into one that learned to be a distributor. And then through acquisitions, we've made about 10 acquisitions in the last, the last five or six years. Um, well, a company that's now got a, a significant majority stake in a talent management company out of uh, LA and New York, as well as a company that's now built a brands and franchise team that's able to exploit um, into consumer goods, consumer products, the content, the IP, which is capable of being uh, of being exploited, if you will, in that way. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in terms of some of the new projects that we've got going. So that's that's who Boat Rocker is. And we've got about 900 employees in the company, uh, uh, all sort of North America based for the most part, with a, a small office in London and a small office in Hong Kong. Very good. Thank you for that full overview there. So was that the original thesis is that, okay, we're going to start independent film studio, but we, we want to add all these various pieces or did that thesis kind of evolve as the industry evolved and recognizing where in which you can build value? I think it, it did. It evolved, but it also evolved from a, a place of, again, of purpose because we, I mean, Dave and I have started off being producers. They, they were entertainment lawyers and, and their passion drove them to try to be producers and learn how to be the best producers they could be. And then when I joined the board in 2008, 2009, we talked about how do you take a small independent uh, media business and build it uh, into a business rather than one show at a time, make a show, deliver the creative uh, you know, vision for that show? How do you actually build this into a, a scalable business? So it was just about then 2010, 11, we actually started to build this business plan of, of building a scaled up, a diversified studio that was able to make content in scripted and unscripted in kids and family that added the elements of distribution and, and, and franchise brand management building to it, which saw all these companies 
bigger companies than we were and still are, the, the entertainment ones of the world and, and even the Wild Brains and, and some others and Lionsgate. And we saw these companies and how they had all these different elements coming together. So we, we set about you know, raising some capital from BBC Worldwide, then from Fairfax, our current you know, major shareholder. And we put that money back into the business to, to really try to build um, this scalable business, which we've been doing, as I say, um, uh, and now for, for nearly 20 years and, of course, about a year and a half as a public company. So it, it, it was a conscious effort to try to build this diversified studio. Um, we see Candle Media coming now. That's the, you know, the, the business supported by Blackstone and, and the, the ex-Disney executives. And they're, it's, it's somewhat comforting to see them with a similar business model, a diversified studio making content in all different genres. And then, of course, trying to to uh, uh, to exploit the intellectual property, own the asset, uh, that intellectual property, and, and try to exploit it for bigger, greater returns. This might be a silly question, but I have to ask. I mean, what? Why? Why wasn't that being done before amongst the independent studios? You know, yeah, let's just. I'll ask you point blank that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great question, Robert, and I think for us, it's. It's hard to, it's hard in a way because when we were a small independent studio making one or two shows, the tricky thing was we looked at each other and said, well, we can make one or two shows and we can manage the creative and we can manage the, we can be the arbiters of the quality of that content. But the moment you want to scale, you realize you, you can't, you can't do it. It's hard to develop new ideas while producing one or two shows you've got to you've got to learn to be a business and then you've got to delegate hire more people you've got to build and, you, and you're going to do that not always again with the content uh, being greenlit or already uh, uh, in the book so you're, you're you're taking very entrepreneurial risk um, and not a lot of small independents do that want to do that they're quite happy making one or two great shows a year um, and that they can manage that within the four walls of their business. But it it's hard to branch out and really scale up. You have to take a lot of leaps of faith. You have to delegate. You have to build a team. And we were 14 people strong in 2009. And here we are with nearly 900 full-time employees. So that's a whole new thing to manage. It's not just managing one show, a one-hour drama or, or a one-hour reality show. It's, it's actually a, a real different skill that's needed and, and we've been learning you know as we've as we've built the business to, to be you know managers in some respects capital allocators more than than the arbiters of, a, of, of the quality of a piece of content so that's a, that's a change that you have to uh, you have to manage and and I don't think you know that one skill doesn't live necessarily in an independent creative producers uh, 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 body it's it's hard to, to do that and then You've really got to you've really got to add those those quality staff and team around you to build all the different elements. Then you throw in being a public company, and that's a whole other sort of skill and, and delegated delegated work we have to do to to general councils and and finance teams and internal controls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So again, it's about managing a much bigger thing um, while never forgetting the purpose is really about taking that story and making the best version of it on the screen. Absolutely. So we're going to, we're going to dig down some of that rabbit hole in a second, but I got to hit on, you know, you said in a, becoming a public company, very new to it. So I have to ask, you know, why, why did the company decide to go public? And then also why in Canada? 
Um, well, we, we are Canadian, um, proudly so. Um, I mean, you can tell from my accent, I'm not exactly from Canada, but uh, but I've been here nearly 20 years as well. So, um, yeah, we're very proudly Canadian. We have, you know, six, 700 of our 900 employees are here. The business was founded here, supported by Fairfax, a Canadian company. Uh, um, they gave us capital in 2015 to grow. and We put that money into the business to, to, to acquire and build what we have today. So, um, the TSX was a natural for us there. Um, and I think over time now, as we start to make most of our revenues, vast majority of our revenues are made in the US. We have an office in New York and Los Angeles, and we're making a lot of content out of there. So, you know, we're, we're starting to spend a lot more time down there, even though, you know, we are we are Canadian, um, as I say, and, and, and proud of it. But uh, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of really why I think the TSX made sense for us. More, people know a lot of the shows that we make in Canada, um, a lot of the format shows, the reality shows that we've been making for years, the Big Brother Canada's, the Amazing Race Canada's, the Master Chefs, the Top Chefs, the great Canadian baking shows. We've been doing all these formats and, and people that resonates, I think, with, with people. When I went through the deck, that that definitely stood, I'm a huge Big Brother uh, US fan. So that that's that stood out to me. I was like, oh. Like they're, they're doing big brother Canada for, um, so, okay. So let's dig into this because, you know, like I said, when I've interviewed your colleagues, you know, we always are like, okay, what you got, you know, what, what, what's the IP, what are you producing? So I'd love to get a better understanding or for those that don't know, um, everything that boat, boat rocker is responsible for that they yeah. are now viewing with their eyes. <laughs> well, that, that's a great point. It goes to like, again, the name boat rocker media is that's the parent company. That's the, you know, the company that's public, but, we've you know we're much more known for the the nature of the shows and people you know sometimes go oh you guys make that show so so it's a great it's a great way for me to explain a little bit about that robert i mean on the scripted side um we've got some big shows right now we've got uh invasion on apple tv plus we made uh, we're in second season of that show right now american rust was starring jeff daniels and maura tierney which will now be on amazon freebie the second season which we start shooting later this year We've got four or five other dramas. Orphan Black, uh, uh, the sequel effectively is getting made right now in Canada. Show we made five seasons of uh, um, a while back and was very successful for us. And then we're working with uh, uh, people like Kristen Wiig on Mrs. American Pie. Uh, and so we've got some phenomenal uh, uh, Zoe Lister-Jones and a show called Slip that we just finished uh, 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 there. So we've got a lot of great dramas coming in. Um, we've partnered with Dakota Johnson and her uh, business partner and, and producing partner, Rue Donnelly. Um, and we've actually bought 10% of their company. So we're very, very big fans of what Dakota and Rue and their their team can do and working with Boat Rocker to produce more content. So that's on the scripted side. On the unscripted reality side, we've got lots of great shows on the go. I mentioned the formats in Canada, lots of those. In the US, we do shows like... Uh, uh, the Go Big Show uh, for TVS, which is a, a wonderful show. We just announced recently we're doing a uh, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Dream Cars show for Discovery, which, is, again, is, is going to be a phenomenal piece of content with, with Robert Downey Jr. as the star. So we're getting to work with, with, with great talent now. We've got Neil Patrick Harris uh, greenlit in a show called Drag Me to Dinner, a wonderful sort of reality competition drag queen show, which is, is something uh, that's coming out later again uh, in the fall. Um, so we've got lots of great stuff on the reality side. And on the kids' side, again, a business we've been in for a long time. Um, and the big sort of uh, hope we have right now is a show called Dino Ranch, which is the number one kid show 
um, on in its time slot in the US on cable. Um, you'll see it on Disney Junior and of course on Disney uh, Plus. So very excited about that. And that shows one just to finish up, Robert, where it, it's now it, it really does sort of I think best uh, um, show what Boat Rocker is capable of from from soup to nuts. You know, we working to create that show with Industrial Brothers, produce the show. Uh, uh, here in Canada, make the show through our animation division, sell the show around the world, which is already sold in 170 countries, sell it through our distribution team and our brands team, our franchise management team is the one responsible for the sale of the consumer products and the licenses that we're giving out all over the world. So if you're in the US right now and you go into a Walmart or a Target, um, all across the US, you'll see um, you'll see Diana Ranch toys starting the head shelves uh, this uh, basically just at the end of last month and, and now into September. So very excited about that. Absolutely. So also for those that may not, you know, fully uh, aren't aware of the, of the, I guess, just the business itself, you know, you produce content, you sell the content, but even that it's like, okay, they sell the content, but what exactly does that mean? What's recurring? What's not? So can you give our, our audience a, uh, an overview and our understanding of once the company produces the content, then they partner with a potential, you know, nowadays streaming service. Um, so sure. can you give us that overview there? Sure. I think the simplest way to look at it is we make revenue in sort of three or four ways. We make revenue for uh, um, servicing content for, for buyers like the streamers or the linear broadcasters. So we'll be hired to make their show for them and we'll make fees while we make that show. Um, that's one way we do it. Well, actually, a lot of time we're developing our content to own our content and put capital to work in that content. So there we make uh, most of the money is made in the distribution of that content. So we'll license it to various streamers and broadcasters. We will own the show, we'll own the IP and our distribution team will be charged with going around the world, selling it to broadcasters that have not bought in uh, you know, to the original uh, commission. Um, and that's a huge piece of the business as well. So we have seven dramas that we're making right now, four of which um, are going to be in our distribution team's hand to start selling later this year, um, which is really exciting. So it's our IP, our asset, we're going out to sell it around the world. Um, and then we've got the talent management and representation business. So we also make commissions from the wonderful over 900 clients we have in the talent management business. And uh, that's a partnership we have with Jason Weinberg and Stephanie Simon, the, the founders, co-founders of Untitled Entertainment. So another great part of the business. And it all kind of comes together where we, we try to, again, use the diversified studio, the ability to distribute, put capital to work, and our consumer team and our talent management team working together to try to give ourselves the best chance of, of telling stories and getting content greenlit and, and on the screen. So. We make, we make revenues in those different different ways. Um, it's changed over the years. The nature of the contracts, you know, as the streamers have been uh, uh, more prevalent, we're now seeing a lot of the AVOD platforms coming to, to market, the Rokus and the Amazon freebies, amongst others. Um, and the linears are still there, putting their elbows up and, and trying to fight for uh, for the eyeballs on, on their linear uh, uh, channel. So... Um, a lot of buyers still out there, a lot of buyers, uh, um, and hence we talk about the tailwind still being, you know, still being relatively strong in the market because we're still seeing a lot of buyers looking to, to spend uh, and get content for their platforms. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I was going to go down a different rabbit hole, but I'm going to come to that mm-hmm. one right now because, you know, we were, we were talking offline about, you know, some of the trends going on right now. Um, you know, I listen to a, a, quite a few media podcasts and one thing that keeps coming up is this idea of that there has been a, a slight, I guess, a slight slowdown or just a reimagining of how the streamers are going to be operating their businesses because there's so much pressure from Wall Street to, you know, get those revenue, either get the revenue numbers up or cut costs in any way they can. So mm-hmm. how can you tell us a little bit about how um, the slowdown in spending from streaming services has affected the industry as a whole? And has it affected Boat Rocker at all? Yeah, well, it's interesting. We, we've talked about this with our team a lot. And we're at the, you know, we talked to the team that's at the coal phase of, of, of the pitching and then the buying and the selling. And it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting landscape. It's not obvious to me, uh, whether we're still in some strong tailwinds, we're certainly not in, in, in any headwinds, that's for sure. So I think what we're seeing, Robert, is we're seeing, um, we're seeing some consolidation at, at the buyer level, you know, whether it's the Warner Discovery merger or some of the others that, that we're, we're going to see. And I suspect that in the next couple of years, we'll probably see some more activity there as they look to consolidate in, in, their, uh, in, their, in their broadcasting streaming world. But what's also interesting, while there is some... Uh, um, slowdown or some uh, uh, transition into well, what exactly are those new merged streamers actually going to be focusing on? We're still hearing them say they're going to spend ultimately more capital in content over time than they were, you know, necessarily as two separate entities. They'll just be doing it, and the cost, the cost base of doing it will, will change, I'm sure. So, um, and with every one of those mergers, we're, we're seeing still an, a new AVOD platform emerging that wants to spend capital on on real original content. So again, who would have thought, you know, five years ago, Roku was looking to spend real dollars, original uh, content that they could have their own exclusivity on and, and try to build their business on. Um, that wasn't around then. And, and of course, Amazon Freebie and others uh, uh, having their own budgets to work with separate apart from Amazon Prime, you know, with a different business model, but looking to, to get original content in order to, you know, to build their subscription, uh, even though it's an AVOD model, but build build those eyeballs. So um, at some point, you got to figure that there'll be a little bit of a, a reconfiguration. There will be some, you know, some more maybe buying, uh, buying power mergers. And at some point, there'll be the platform, the new platforms will, will start slowing down emerging. And then it will shake out. But for the next couple of years, I don't, I don't see any sort of real, certainly no headwinds I'm seeing. Um, definitely some, some transition into what some of these new merged businesses will want to focus on. And then you're just back to, it's been a very competitive landscape for years and years and years in, the, in, in our production business. So the job is come up with a great content, partner with great creators, produce well, have the ability to try to own the IP, and exploit it and and that business hasn't really changed it's just it's always very competitive we go up against the lions gates the the e1s the the studios that are tied to the bigger networks uh, all the time so not a lot of change in, in that landscape so very competitive and um i think when you look at boat rocket we've put together and there's not too many companies that have got a fully diversified cap- capability in terms of making the content and the ability to put capital to work to own it and be the distributor as well as try to exploit it 
um, across the franchise and brands team. Uh, and that, that I think that's what does differentiate is you throw in Untitled Entertainment and our access to, to talk to the wonderful clients at Untitled. Um, we think that's a powerful, uh, a powerful platform for us. Absolutely. And you know, I, I very much agree with your sentiments there too. You know, I, I think, you know, because, you know, there, there's been this, I guess, reevaluation of, of what's going on with the streamers and also, you know, them just, you know, for lack of any other kind of good uh, evaluation, but stock prices have been absolutely tanking. They're seeing that they're continuing to lose money. So I, I think you're right. I think there's going to be, it might, even if it is slowing down a little bit over the long run, they're going to continue to spend. And especially I think after once they open up some of these, you know, add, you know, bring on advertising, have those different tiers, you know, then at that point, then they're going to, the cash that they're going to get from that is going to be ridiculous, especially once they report some of the numbers that some of these shows or the viewership and everything like that, you know, then it almost makes your job easier because then you can see like, Oh, this is who we can sell to who this is who's buying what like, okay, great. Yep. And our team is out there every day talking to the various commissioners, buyers, partners, if you will, looking for the content and they're all getting very specific and they're, you know, they're all looking for slightly different things that fit their audience. So there's just this, a wonderful array of different ideas and different content that each of them is looking to, to make their own and, and to sort of, you know, build their platforms with, I mean, if you thought it was competitive, you know, before this point for the linear broadcasters, when, when the Netflix AVODs and the, Amazon AVODs and Roku's and other AVOD platforms really start to get going. Yeah. And, you know, uh, they need the content. They, they, they absolutely do. And it's going to get very, very competitive at, at that level. So <laughs> we're, we, we like this, we, you know, we're never going to play in the fight for profits in, in the broadcast streaming world. That's not for us. We, we will remain agnostic um, in, in terms of the platforms. We try to create and produce for the platforms that are there and the new ones uh, that we'll see down the line. Absolutely. By the way, so I went, so when I go through the company, you know, breaking down the revenues and, and the various um, um, verticals that the company derives revenue from, television by far and away is the the leader right there. Was that a conscious decision that you want, that the company wants to focus on creating just shows for television versus maybe doing a little bit of film here and there, documentaries, that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's um, it's always been the key to the business production. You know, we we you know we derive the biggest part of our revenues from production, but within our television segment, uh, as you pointed out, that includes now the distribution revenue that we get from uh, the content in in television that we're making and owning. It includes, and it will include down the line the. Uh, more of that, more of that revenues. We start to own more content and start to sell it over the next couple of years. Television, which is mainly production, is is really the core of the business. That's what we were started with when David and Ivan left the law to to be creative producers, and it's 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 what we you know it's what we're going to continue to it's going to continue to be the, the the foundation of the business going forward. Very good. All right, so I want to get to the production side of things, and you know this might be more secret saucy type stuff, but I mean, how do you evaluate what you want to produce what hit what you want to go out and potentially sell you know love love to hear your thoughts there yeah well thankfully um i sit outside of most of those decision making uh, uh, meetings you'll be pleased to, to hear or your audience will be pleased to hear. <laughs> my job is to understand exactly what capital we're allocating what irrs and return profiles we might see 
um, if we get it right. And one never predicts a hit, but we're always looking to find that piece of content that we can own and exploit to get these outsized returns. So that's, that's my job. And below that secret sauce, it really is. We've got teams across the North America and the UK trying to understand exactly what buyers are looking for, trying to partner up with creative writers and directors and, and, and all sorts of creators to, to see what might work and what might not. And it is a, it's a very subjective process. Um, and when we bring that great idea and a great piece of content that one of our developers likes, then we bring in our distribution team and they bring a little bit of the creative uh, knowledge, but they also bring what's the world looking for? Will this piece of content potentially resonate around the world? Are there buyers in multiple territories that will like this idea that it meant? So there's a little bit of creative, a little bit of, quantitative work and then of course it, it comes up ultimately to me to make a decision if capital is required um do i think you know we should be putting our money to work and we can get the right you know irr on, on investing in that but uh but thankfully down below there's a lot of work that gets done before you know it, it gets to my desk and our teams are just incredible when it comes to the creative work i mean some of the shows we've put out and been working on the last particularly the last two or three years have um, been just just amazing. So they're doing their job, and ultimately, over time, we'll see if I'm doing my job by by investing the capital and getting the right return on it over time. Absolutely. So, okay, I, I want to now dig into the representation side of the business because this is an interesting aspect to Boat Rocker, in my opinion, because. You know, on this side, obviously, there's the revenues derived from the partnership and commissions on, you know, talent going to work, all that stuff. But it's also kind of works as a a, a funnel, right? You know, to, to get in the door with some, you know, A-list talent that maybe Boat Rocker might not have had access to. So can you tell us a little bit more about like how that the genesis of how this came to be and maybe, you know, some some of the stuff that you have that you've announced as a result of this partnership? Well, you, you've got it exactly right there. We, we, we proactively, as a number of other bigger studios have done, Lionsgate has acquired a, a, a talent management company, uh, Propagate, Barry, part of Barry Diller's world has, has acquired uh, um, a talent management business. And Stephanie and Jason, the founders, uh, had been looking for a way to build their company. And I think when we met back in late 2018, and closed the deal in early 2019 to, to buy a 51% stake in that a 51% stake in that business. We 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 saw eye to eye on the best way to build both their business and what we could do and what their clients would have access to, which is really the part, which is all these clients, they all most of them are multi-hyphenates. They want to do lots of different things, acting is one of them, but a lot of them have got creative ideas, producerial ideas, things they want to do. And what we offer them is as much as we have that quick access to them to say, hey, look at this piece of content, kids or un uh, unscripted or scripted, would you like, does it resonate? Is it something you would want to, to be involved in? We have a quick process to, to, to determine if it's right or not. We equally offer them this buffet of, 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 sort of opportunity within Boat Rocker to say, if you've got ideas for kids or unscripted or scripted, go talk to your, your counterparts within the studio and see if there's a way to, to work together. So, it's really that sort of symbiotic relationship. Um, nothing's taken for granted. There are no first loops. We don't. We can't force any client to work with us, nor would we want to. 
it's really just about that quick discussions and access. And as I say, I gave you a couple examples, clients like Dakota Johnson, clients like Neil Patrick Harris, uh, and, and there's many others that we're working with now. And we, you know, occasionally we'll find a, a great project that, that, that works for them or they'll bring one to us. We've, been, we've got people now in, in, within Untitled on a production site to help them uh, work quickly with their managers in, in LA and New York to determine uh, if there are, again, projects we can get going on. So not only is it a wonderful business in and of itself, um, it, it, if you can really integrate it into the thinking and, and uh, a chance to really make a piece of content that we've got uh, stand out from all the others in the competition, um, then we think it's a great way to try and get ourselves to the, to the top of that pile. And, and it's proved very, very successful to date. Absolutely. Hey, that, that also includes uh, you just announced a uh, proud Canadian Jay Baruchel. Did I say his name right? You did. Yeah, yeah I did. Okay. Another, again, this is the idea. Be, be, the, be the home for these creative visionaries. And, and Jay's a, a, a great example of somebody who's got many talents, including lots of ideas for, for content. And, and we've partnered with him. And to the extent that he's going to work with us, we'll help him. And, and over the next couple of years, see if there's some new stuff we can do with Jay. That's, that's where a lot of the I think a lot of the future capital will be going from Boatwalker is into those types of first look deals, as we call them, partnerships, if you will, with with creators and, and creative visionaries like like Jay. Very cool. All right, so now I want to get into some more, uh, you know, investory, corporate type questions. You know, that's your that's your bag, right? You know, that's it's, it. you know, exactly. We yeah. create. We get to let the creatives do the creatives, and uh, you know, we'll talk shopper. Um, so, so you know, you you started. You, just just went public back in 2021. You're now out there in the public sphere. I mean, you've been talking to investors for years, so, so I'm not saying like that this is any different. But now that the company is public and you're now introduced to a whole new investor audience, you know what what have investors still gotten confused about the business, or what have been some of the more frequently asked questions? And maybe we can address them here. Hmm. Um, the business is is um, I mean, it's simple in a lot of ways. You know, we you know we get up every day we try to create ideas for tv shows we make tv shows people watch tv shows you know that's the business but the you know the accounting is a little complex the uh, when we deliver and how we recognize revenue is a little more complex um so so i think you know one of the couple of things i've noticed and we're talking to investors we're talking to potential investors is just trying to explain to them how we make money how we build our revenues um, how the revenue isn't necessarily uh, uh, the most important. Uh, in fact, it's, it's not in the top five of the most important things we need to do in a day because depending on whether we own the show or whether we're servicing it, the revenues can move you know, quite significantly. So don't focus on that as much. Look at our bottom line. Our KPIs are much more about that bottom line, that adjusted EBITDA. Watch that grow and watch our margins expand that's what we should be judged on. Revenue could be up or down by a couple hundred million dollars, but we're still growing the, the bottom line. So that that is, again, in, an, in, a, in a normal discussion with investors, it's not, not necessarily so intuitive to talk about revenues fluctuating quite as much as it can do in our industry. Um, I'd say that's one thing. The other thing is, is just getting ourselves out there. You know, we're, um, I'm a corporate lawyer by background. Uh, and my two business partners are, are corporate lawyers and, and we have corporate lawyers in our executive leadership team. So we're, we're naturally quite sort of conservative and, and 
selling isn't necessarily our uh, you know uh, best attribute um, so and of course we're a Canadian company and it's uh, you know we people are starting to get to know us in, in, in LA now and New York where our content is actually speaking for us you know the quality of the content the the shows that we're making whether it's the invasions with Apple or or you know Jeff Daniels and American Rust and Zoe Lister Jones and Dakota Jones and the, the list goes on. We're starting, and I think that's again something that uh, we have to be patient uh, with. I think I think our shareholders will get rewarded as we start to go more of that, and people start to equate those, the, the shows that we're making with uh, uh, with with BRMI, if you will, on you know ticker symbol. But those two things aren't quite uh, um, they're not household names, even though some of the shows are household names, but but the company isn't. So uh, those are the things we're going to be working on. Uh, and I think it is, we just have to be patient, keep building the business. And we've been growing, um, as we said, we would uh, quite quite nicely, you know, over the last two or three years coming out of the coming out of the pandemic. Absolutely. So then, um, you know, I want to give both sides, all sides to the, to the boat rocker story. So, I mean, it's, I got to have to, I asked this to everybody on here. So in your opinion, what would you say are some of the company's downside risks? Um, I'd say, you know, for us, again, given we talked about this earlier, television segment producing is our biggest part of our financial, uh, the financial part of the business. So the risks are around a significant slowdown that we haven't seen, but a significant slowdown in the content acquisition of, of the buyers. That would obviously make it harder, more competitive to get, to get our, our, our shows, you know, picked up relative to the others. Um, we still... As I said, still think we've got a lot of things that, that, that bring uh, some competitive advantage to how we're doing it relative to, to other producers, but that would be something that we'd need to watch for. Um, bringing shows in on time and on budget over the last couple of years has been harder, Robert, as you can imagine, than any time. Um, COVID shutdowns are still happening occasionally. Um, we're very careful on sets, but the protocols are still quite tight. So again, we're, we're, we're seeing... You know, it's not the easiest time to still be producing. If you're on a set or if you've been on lately, you'll see it's it is full on it is full on COVID protocol masking and and so it, it it's not as easy to do right now. And so again, those costs are, are, are still with us. And bringing shows, certainly the, the the premium shows that we're making, they're not small budget. They're big budget shows that we're making now. Um, and so making sure we were able to bring them in relatively speaking on time and on budget is an important aspect. And one of the things that, again, as a KPI, you're looking to invest in Boat Rocker, have an eye on, on, on those tailwinds, the, the buying power and the buying, uh, um, the dollars that are going into buying content and, and look, look and see what we're doing in terms of making the shows uh, as well. So those are a couple of things I, I would say that, you know, again, it's what I look at. It's what I look at for the company and how we're doing, and 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 uh, shareholders should should have an eye on that too. Very good. All right. So then, where where do you see the company going in three to five years, or where do you want to see it? And what would you say are some of the inflection points that will get you there? Um, we've got a deck on our website, and we talk about sort of three phases of the company. You know, phase one was learn to produce how do you produce you know uh, and how to be the best producers we could be phase two was understanding the the power of actually owning the content and putting some capital to work to be a, a distributor so you're the producer now you're the producer and the distributor and phase three which is i think we're we're at the embryonic stages of and i think you know if anyone asks where are we going 
It's about phase three. Can we really build Boat Rocker up into a essentially a franchise brand building entertainment company? So one that, that is able to develop content, to own it, have the ability to distribute it and exploit it across consumer products, consumer brands, you know, build a real franchise. The companies that do this wonderfully well have done for years, of course, the, the Disney's of the world and, and many others that are able to take a piece of IP and really exploit it in so many different ways that it becomes a brand. And I think that's what we're looking to do. We've built a team up to do it. We've got a few really nice at-bats that, that, that over the next two or three years, I think we're very hopeful that can really take us to, to, to phase three, you know, in particular Dino Ranch is one where, you know, I think you talk about when will we know if we're, if we're hitting phase three. Well, in the next, you know, year or so, we're going to really start to see Dino Ranch, uh, I think, deliver on that promise of us being a franchise brand business. And, and then the making the show itself will be but one of 10 different uh, uh, revenue uh, uh, streams coming in on, on that content. We've got 45 licensees already lined up, uh, um, which is an incredible amount of people all over the world ready to go with everything from, you know, iPhone cases and backpacks to bed linen and pajamas. Uh, so it, it's really exciting to see if we can do that. And then, of course, what really, what really will propel us is can we add brands onto that? You know, Dino Ranch is one. What's in the pipeline behind Dino Ranch? How do we do that across the studio? Obviously, kids and family lend itself much more to this sort of toyetic brand building um, uh, but it's not to say we can't do it in, in other areas as well. But that's phase three. We've just embarked on it really in the last year or two. Uh, um, we built up a team nicely to do it out of the uh, LA, New York, and, and London. And yeah, as I say, fingers crossed, we can see some really nice activity starting to happen. Even this year, we're, we're, we tell analysts that we're going to start to see the first real signs of revenue coming in from. Uh, not just the TV segment on on something like this, or the kids and family production segment, but from that real brand uh, uh, revenue. So it's it's very exciting, and that's where we want to go. We want to build a company in that way. Very good. And I have to ask on the Dino Ranch side. I should ask this earlier, but you know what? You know, you mentioned it just now. Is you know kind of launching you into this phase three model. You know, what gives you the confidence that that in Dino Ranch this much? Is it some of their early screening? Or love, love to hear more there. Yeah, well, we've, we've already made two seasons, which is still early. Um, but the team, you know, our brand's team, uh, Kate Sloan is responsible for the brand of Dino Ranch, and she heads up her brand's business. And so we get these wonderful decks that Kate and her whole team, and you just follow the, the, the sort of guidelines we set for ourselves and, and see whether we're hitting them. And that can be everything, Robert, from... The show itself is a number one show in the U.S. The show is a number one show in multiple territories around the world. You know, so that's one guidepost, you know, that is doing wonderful on. We're working towards a season three green light on that show uh, soon. Um, then there's, of course, again, the, the licensees that all over the world have said, oh, I think I can make money if I go to be a licensee of this brand. I want to give... Boat Rocker and advance against the license that I think I can I can build various different you know products. Jazzwares is our major uh, master toy partner. 
and they've been on brands like Peppa Pig and Fortnite and, and others over the years. So we've got great partners. We're, we're taking the, the, the boxes on YouTube, on views, on engagement across the world. It's in 170 odd territories now we've sold the show. Now there are only about 200 territories you can sell a show in. So, you know, so what we look at, Robert, is we, we, we've told the market that it's, it's hitting all of the different guideposts we set for it. One can never tell whether it will be a, a hit, will it be ever a Paw Patrol or a Peppa Pig? I can't predict that, but what I can say is it is definitely on track to be a very successful brand. And uh, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about what it does over the next sort of four, four to six months on, uh, in the US on the, on the toys. For sure. Well, look, I'll try and get you some direct feedback if I can. Okay. Please, you know? please. Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter right now is really into Puffin Rock. So, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to <laughs> kind of, I'll have to trick her into a little dino ranch just to see, uh, you know, give you some, uh, give you some feedback there. That'd um, be great. That'd be great. So, so John, to close this out here, and I appreciate you taking all this time and answering all my questions, but to close this out here, you know, um, newly public company CEO. It's never going to be an easy job, man. Just giving you the heads up. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you're aware, you know, but uh, how, how's that experience been for you so far? Um, you know, I, I, it's been it's been a tough slog. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk, you know, on, one, on the one hand, for all of us over the last two or three years, you know, work and life have, have not been the easiest, right? But I am, uh, I got to say, I'm so privileged to, to be working with the team I've got at, at Bolt Rocker, the executive level, all the business unit leaders. It's been incredible. And they've, everyone has, you know, really just kind of got up every day and, and tried to do the absolute best they can. As I said, the environment for making content has not been the easiest. Um, we got through very quickly the early part of COVID. We got protocols together, worked with the guilds and got our studios and sets up and running real, real quick. Um, I think we're into like July and August and we're back at it again. So I'm just, I'm privileged to, to be able to work with that team. That I love content. Um, I love being part of this this purpose that we have of, of trying to, you know, tell stories and make the best version of the stories that we can on screen. So it's been a, a privilege and, and, it, and it's a new job. Yeah, I, I don't know if, you, if CEOs are willing to talk about this, but I had a job before we went public and then I had the same job after we went public and then this other job. You know, of of dealing with 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 yep. shareholders, investors, and, and of course, it's, it's it's like yeah, duh, of course, of course, you did. You, you knew that going in. But how to then work with our team, delegate down the other parts of the job, so I can focus on the things also I have to focus on on a quarterly basis um, and work with investors and potential investors is a new thing. But uh, but one that you know is a challenge, and and, I, and I'm and I'm up for it. And the team here, I think, is. Is finding its feet. It's a rhythm thing. It takes a little bit of time to find your rhythm with it, and uh, I, I, I think we're there, um, taking nothing for granted. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting Absolutely. stuff, and I'm, I'm very very pleased to, to be here. Very cool. All right, well, John, we're there, man. So, uh, where, where can our audience go and find more information on Boat Rocker Media? So yeah, check out our, our website. Um, there's some decks on there, which we keep up to date after every quarter. You can see what we're up to, what shows we're making across the studio, what work we're, we're up to. Um, that's probably the best place. Check us out on our various YouTube channels as well. You'll see a lot of content out there as well on the, uh, uh, on YouTube. And uh, yeah, and you know, you'll, see the, you'll see the shows across a multitude of different streamers and linear broadcasters. So I hope you enjoy them. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next chat. 
My pleasure, Robin. Thanks you. Thanks for all of that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. Yes.